the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, and it is uh, great to be with you as you head into the weekend. I hope everybody has a great weekend and uh, and does something fun, does something fun with their family. Uh, I have to say, uh, great baseball last night, uh, watching the Dodgers and the Giants play to the very end. And, uh, well, I was excited for our great producer, Noah Dingley, who is such a diehard uh, Dodgers fan that his guys will advance. Although I have to say, it feels like the Dodgers are the best team money can buy right now. I'm not. It's hard to root for them, especially as they go up against some other folks. So, all right, what do we have today? Well, we got a couple of great interviews coming up in a moment, and I will get to them. Uh, we have, of course, our a friend Roger Stone. I've been talking about this interview for a couple of days. Roger Stone will join us, and I'm going to talk about Roger at the beginning of the show on the Wink because it is um, emblematic of the problems going on in this country. We'll also talk with a gentleman named Pete Sepp. Pete Sepp is the president of the National Taxpayers Union. He will talk about all the details of the... um uh, $3.5 trillion Democrat spending bill, which is really more like $5 trillion. He, his, his organization, National Taxpayers Union, breaks down all this stuff and tells you exactly where the money's going, how it's going. Very helpful group. So uh, we'll talk with him in a moment. Him in a moment. So uh, remember, please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up there uh, for the daily email. It's called The Wink. What you need to know, it goes out at 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific time. goes into your inbox Monday through Friday. You'll get what you need to know, a few links, a few stories, a lot of times one of these great interviews from the program, uh, and it's all there. It uh, doesn't cost you a nickel. I don't uh, trade your email address for cookies. I don't sell your email address for ducats. I don't do anything. I just make sure to send you those emails so uh, you want to check out. Up to almost 50,000 people have become uh, subscribers or participants, and again, it's free of cost. Go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up right there. Okay, uh, today, what do you need to know? What's today's wink? Well... As we finish out the week, I want to point to both a political reality and a, um, a, a cultural societal reality. So let me first describe, I don't know, I think I've, I, many of you have probably seen the Hunger Games movies. Um, my family, I think my wife even, but my children, my older children certainly read the books. There was a three or four of them, I think. But I remember seeing only the first movie, the Hunger Games movie, the original, with uh, Jennifer Lawrence as the star and somebody else. And, and, and the thing that struck me most, I can still picture watching it. I can almost picture myself watching the TV as these state, the, they call them the districts, the states of this uh, confederation, this nation, were out in the sticks, out in the country, or out in the in the in the uh, out in the nation. They were divided up, not into states, but into districts. And at the certain point, when they advanced in the process of of getting called to the Hunger Games, I think they went into the capital. They called it the capital, and they went by train. And as the train got closer. From the districts closer to the capital, you started to see the wealth of the capital. It was shiny. It was bright. It was everything about it. There was more stuff. And it was, it was, it was striking 
how the districts were really poor and basic and seemed almost backward when you watched it on the screen. As you got closer to the capital, there was all kinds of technology and all kinds. Almost like, it was almost like a, a Jetsons thing where everything was so uh, so bright and new. I think there was, I don't know if there was flying vehicles. I guess I, I guess I don't remember. I don't think maybe there weren't, but there was everything in between. And there was all kinds of bright lights and food and all that. So that always struck me, and I wrote a couple of columns about it. I called it the Hunger Games uh, plan uh, and uh, how to how to uh, how to change um, uh, America from Panem uh, because that was the name of the the nation, I think Panem. And uh, and I was always struck by that image of the power and the centrality of the capital in that movie. And now, as we watch, and in a few minutes, we'll talk with Roger Stone about basically he was targeted again not just by politicians that would be nothing new he's a political player he was targeted by big tech and big media and dramatically targeted by big government and still is working with the others and here's what i want to say something's happened and we can all feel it we can all probably describe it if you describe the uh, the spending aspect of the federal government, the federal capital, or maybe the number of employees. But we all feel it. We all feel this. The capital of this country, Washington, D.C., the federal capital, is absolutely dominating our lives. They're dominating our lives with policy. They're dominating their, our lives with wealth. They're dominating our lives with influence. You used to be able to, in America, say there were five or six or seven power centers. Wall Street was one. Detroit making cars was another. Hollywood was another. Uh, you might um, you might say in the Midwest somewhere, I don't know, Kansas City because of uh, food production. It's probably not a perfect example. But you had this notion that there were other centers of power. Now... Wall Street, starting in 08, the crisis, they came on their knees to, to Washington. And Washington now works with Wall Street, don't get me wrong, but it's Washington that has the power to make Wall Street sink or fail, uh, success or fail. Detroit, long gone, and manufacturing, long gone. They, you know, Hollywood, long gone. They all caved. New York City, you know, a center of, uh, of, of media, long, the center of the world, power wise, is Washington, D.C., the capital. And in that space, has come to be a class, a set of bureaucrats, a set of people. They may come in and out of office. I was just looking. There's a guy named Ricchetti. I think it's Steve Ricchetti, who was a, a, a he's I think he's a lawyer, but he was from like Wisconsin or somewhere. He came out. He worked for Clinton. Then he went out and did something and made money, lots of money, I'm sure. Then he went back to Clinton. Then he went out and made money during the years of Bush. And they came back in Obama. Then he went out and made more money. They came back with Biden. And he's a total insider. And he's the guy. In fact, I forget who was uh, making this argument. It wasn't me originally. Who was one of the key people. In 1999-2000, working for Clinton, that gave China access to the most favored nation status in the World Trade Organization, which has been such a transformative thing in the last 21 or two years. And that was that, that dude. Rich beyond belief now. He's got a probably worth 10, 20, 30 million dollars. You know, he's just inside and out. And the system is not only the bureaucrats in an office, it's these in and out folks, the revolving door. But here's the thing. Over time, the power of the swamp, the power of the capital has grown so vast, has grown so massive, has grown so burdensome that it's it's almost hard to describe it. It's almost hard to believe it, but it's happening. It's happening. 
And when you cross that, when you're not in the right frame of mind, because not just Democrats, it's the Republicans too, it's the non-ideological people that aren't in a party that are in that system. When you cross them, they make you pay. They make you pay. And Roger Stone, Donald Trump, lots of others have crossed their paths. But what happened with Trump was he sort of smoked them out. They came out of the woodwork because I guess he was too threatening too fast or they just didn't have a way to deal with him. But he sort of smoked them out. He, he gave them, uh, he gave, he made clear who they really were. And so we saw it. And when you read the uh, documents, legal documents in court, that Roger Stone's cases have yielded in discovery, as well as in requests, as well as in arguments, you, 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 you realize these people are right in front of our eyes, right in, in front of the face of the country, are, are, are doing whatever they want. And when they do what they want, they just count on the system that should hold them accountable to look the other way. And I'm not just talking about Hillary's emails or Hunter Biden's emails or Hunter Biden's laptops. I'm talking about what the Roger Stone, and we'll talk with him in a few minutes, his cases have revealed and what now uh, John Durham has indicted one lawyer who worked on the Clinton campaign. And and you look into these pleadings and you discover that not only did a big lawyer get paid by the Clinton campaign to hire a British former spy to gin up some kind of hit on Trump, but then you had the FBI playing a role in facilitating and magnifying and validating the effort, so much so that at the the key crossroads of the so-called scandal, the DNC was hacked and supposedly by the Russians. The FBI was supposed to investigate that, and the way they investigated it was ask the lawyer, who's now been indicted, Michael Sussman, and his law firm, to give them access to the DNC servers. And they were told no. The FBI was told no. We're going to have a private entity, CrowdStrike, do it for us, and we'll let you see the reports. And then what Roger Stone has shown is that the FBI didn't even get to see the real reports. They saw some kind of draft. They may have seen something. But think about that. The nation's law enforcement agency, the most famous, powerful is sitting there and being told, just wait over there, we'll let you see some of our reports. And then at the heart of a threat to the democracy, supposedly a Russian hack of the one of the two major political parties, we're told to sit tight while the lawyers for the Democrats hire somebody else to do the looking. And guess what? They come up with the solution. They come up with the answer that's most advantageous to t- try to damage their political opponent. It's so basic, it's so obvious, it's so gallingly wrong, you just shake your head, and yet, here we are. Four and a half years later, no one's held accountable, no one even really realizes that half the country still thinks the Russians hacked the DNC, when there's no proof of that. I mean, by the way, I don't know, maybe it did happen, but the only people that had the servers to look were Democrat operatives who thought it was the best thing to do is not say that there was a Democrat leak, a Sanders person or somebody else, but say it was the Russians and we can blame the Russians. We can we can we can tar uh, Donald Trump with the Russian collusion story as a way to damage him. We've reached a point where the deep state, call it the uh, the ruling class is abusing we the people. And wait till you hear Roger Stone talk about it. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. (laughs) 
Welcome, Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Our, it's time to talk with Roger Stone. Get me Roger Stone. And uh, Roger Stone, of course, is uh, very well-known for lots of things. Uh, what he's, I don't think he's as well-known as, as a writer. For many years, he wrote a column. He wrote a column on, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Roger, wrote a column on, um, on uh, sartorial splendor, on clothes and dressing nicely and all these kind of things. He's written a lot, and he's got a piece over at Real Clear Politics that is really worth reading. The title is Sussman Case is Tip of the iceberg in government plot to frame me. Uh, welcome, Roger. How are you? Ed, uh, delighted to be with you. And you're absolutely correct. For 13 consecutive years, every New Year's Day, I have produced my own international best and worst dressed list. And this used to be done <laughs> by a columnist by the name of Mr. Blackwell, who was a yeah. fashion designer and critic out of uh, Hollywood. But when he uh-huh. uh, went on to his maker, um, I decided to pick up the torch. Uh, and I uh-huh. have produced the list every year, except for the one year in which a federal judge prohibited me from saying anything on the Internet or any other media, an unconstitutional gag that was placed on me during my trial. Why? Because I began to reveal that the there is no evidence whatsoever that the Russians hacked the DNC and gave the information to WikiLeaks. The so-called CrowdStrikes report, which claims otherwise, was what the FBI relied on. The FBI finally was forced to admit, in my case, that they never inspected the computer servers at the DNC. They were taking the word of a biased third party, of a politicized third party. Ironically, the guy who hired that third third party to do this was Michael Sussman, the man who was recently indicted by John Durham for lying in an unrelated case, but similar case. Well, if he lied about this, what else did he lie about? Um, I, I tried to make this point at the time, uh, but of course, uh, you know, the mainstream media still clings to this false notion that the Russians must have helped Donald Trump get elected when there's simply no evidence to support that contention. It's particularly dear to me because the first five pages of my indictment for lying to Congress state as a fact that the Russians hacked the DNC. Therefore, the very premise for my indictment is false. I have no motive to lie. There's nothing to lie about. Uh, But uh, well, and again, we're talking to allow us to explore that, you know. Yeah, we're ta- again, we're talking with Roger Stone, and it's important you move through stuff quickly. I want to slow down a little bit to say this is that what what has happened now is Roger Stone in his matter, I, I guess, because it's ongoing and you're, you are able to get from the court now, uh, the, the revealed that, um, the FBI, which was supposed to be investigating the famous DNC hack, which was the basis the Russians hacked the DNC. And what's been revealed is nobody actually with the government reviewed it. They only got a report from CrowdStrike, which was an entity hired by Sussman and Perkins Coie and Mark Elias working for Hillary. I mean, and, and again, the, the thing, the idea that's not on the front page of the New York Times, because that was the lie for, I don't know, two years, three years that they the lie was there was this hack. It was the Russians. And now we don't know who it was. And we have to take the word of the Hillary Clinton campaign. I mean, it, it, it defies the even even the Roger Stone's life is like a Hollywood movie. But this even defines the defies that it's, it's insane, isn't it? Well, it, it, in, indeed. In fact, we still have not seen the actual draft CrowdStrike memo, but we know that it's false because we learned when the House Select uh, Committee on Intelligence 
released the classified testimony of the CrowdStrike uh, executives, they grudgingly admitted that their memo contains no proof of their assertion. They have no evidence to prove it. It's just a claim, a verbal claim. Uh, in my right. case, and uh, Mueller, the special counsel, went out and indicted 12 or 16 Russians that he says were intelligence agents. He says they're the ones who hacked it. But he produced no evidence of the hack. It's because he doesn't have any. He knows that trial will never even go to discovery, never mind going to trial. Because uh, the the people he's charged live outside the country and they have no intention of coming back and facing a witch hunt. But at the end of the day, the prosecutor in my case signed a, uh, a, a sir reply to the court saying they had additional proof beyond the CrowdStrike's report of a hack by the DNC at the DNC, and they don't. So he defrauded the court. Uh, it is now, finally, uh, we, we've seen a number of very good pieces on the American Spectator. Uh, Carlson and others have picked this up. It is uh, it's a glaring example of the fraudulence of the entire Russian collusion hoax. In the meantime, Ed, I don't need to tell you this, I, I still have 12 remaining harassment civil suits against me filed by, you know, by uh, crackpots, leftist and hysterical Democrats. Uh, the president and I are being sued uh, together in a lawsuit by uh, six uh, Capitol Hill police officers. But the lawsuit is cooked up by the George Soros funded lawyers for civil rights uh, under law committee, uh, which is not what they are. And their lawsuit is unsubstantiated, groundless, meritless. They have no evidence. They have no proof. No, Donald Trump and I did not conspire with anyone to deny anyone their <laughs> civil rights. Or, and we didn't right. endanger anyone. We did exercise our First Amendment rights to free speech. But, you know, this gets picked up everywhere. January 6th lawsuit filed against Roger Stone. Where's the quote from me saying that this is BS, that this is meritless, that it's baseless? It's just harassment. They call this lawfare, the filing of baseless claims to make grind you down, blacken your name, make you spend a fortune on legal fees. So those who want to help me in this fight, because I'm not going to settle, can go to stonedefensefund.com. I have to I have no choice but to fight on. Right. Stonedefensefund.com. I was going to ask you that. Stonedefensefund.com. Um, we're talking to Roger Stone. Roger, what when you write about the Durham, uh, um, the Durham investigation, which is going on for a long time now, and uh, he has the, the indictment of Sussman and some other things, some some inklings within that look like he's serious. But do you have any confidence at this point that there's uh, what's your sense of where the Durham thing's going? I, I, I really have no idea. This indictment in itself surprises me because I had concluded, given the timing, he was going to do nothing. Uh, this is not right. that complicated. It's just not that complicated, as his own indictment of Sussman shows. So he knows who the co-conspirators right. are. And we both know this leads directly to Hillary Clinton. So all those people right. who were thought it was funny that I was uh, going to prison. Guess what? I'm free. She's the one who's going to prison, ultimately. <laughs> uh, we're talking well, with Roger Stone. Um, Ro- yeah, uh, Roger, are even you, uh, Roger Stone, a keen observer of American political life for, what, uh, 60 years, 65 years? Well, you were probably 15 when you started, but whatever number of years. Um, Joe Biden's administration, I mean, it's, it's, it's to a level of incompetence that it, it must even actually astound you a little bit, does it? 
Actually, sadly, I think they're incredibly competent um, at, at extinguishing our constitutional rights. Uh, and by by declaring anyone who disagrees with them or who wants to guide the education and treatment of their own children as domestic terrorists. Why do they why do they use that phrase? Because if they can declare you a domestic terrorist, they can read your emails, listen to your phone calls, uh, read your text messages and surveil you in secret without the approval of a federal judge. They can arrest you in secret. They can incarcerate you in secret. They could even execute you in secret. That's what our Republicans voted for in the Patriot Act. Uh, and it is, mm-hmm. is not meant to be used in American politics. It's supposed to be used against authentic foreign terrorists who, who, who pose a danger to the American people. Uh, the, the mask mandate is all about control. The, the numbers mm-hmm. when it comes to COVID don't seem to add up. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. Uh, but it, it's pretty clear that the CDC keeps restating their numbers and revising all over the place. Uh, the numbers, to me, just don't add up. Uh, I believe in health choice. I believe in health freedom. People should make their own decisions about these things. Uh, we're talking again with Roger Stone. Roger, one last question. Um, will the Republicans win the House and Senate next year, e- even though they are pretty darn inept? Uh, I have to answer your question with a question. Are we going to have a free, honest, and fully transparent election? If we are, yes, I think the stage will be set for a a comeback. Those candidates that do best will be the America First candidates who beat Republican incumbents in primaries. That's where the grassroots of this party are, is. Uh, You look at all the uh, changes that were made to state election laws, state by state, in the run-up to 2020, and you wonder... Where was the Republican National Committee? Were they so busy counting money brought in at epic levels by Donald Trump that they weren't paying attention to the groundwork that was being laid to loosen the election laws to even make, you know, uh, voter fraud possible? Mm hmm. It's, uh, I guess, a question, but I, I mean, yeah, uh, well, a couple of days ago, Wednesday, uh, President Trump tweeted something about how it's the number one issue if Republicans don't do it. And I, I tell people he wasn't threatening anybody. He was describing that a whole bunch of Republicans, if they don't think the system is fixed, they won't believe it's worth the trouble because it's rigged. I think that's what you're saying. I, I guess. Do you have any confidence they're going to fix the system? Well, the problem is I don't think you can fix the system alone. Obviously, in the states where you have Republican governors and Republican legislatures, we can tighten the election laws so that they're free, fair and transparent. No, we're not discriminating against anyone in those states where you have a Democratic governor and Democratic legislatures. Then I think patriots have to look at constitutional amendment as a as a means to change the election laws. But we have to have fair elections. It's tough to have fair elections when you don't have free speech. It's tough to have fair right. elections when you have the censorship and the control of all mass communications. Uh, then the truth about elections doesn't get out. Any way you slice it, the last elections had a extraordinarily high level of irregularities and anomalies that at a minimum required closer examination. And the courts and the legislatures and the media simply wouldn't allow that. Right. It um, there it is. Roger Stone, as always, knows it's stonedefensefund.com, stonedefensefund.com. I encourage people to go there, help Roger. As he said, he, he's incapable as a human being, as a man to settle with these nitwits that are suing him all the time. So thank you, Roger, as always. Thanks for everything you're doing. Thanks for writing. I think it's really great that uh, uh, you're writing. By the way, stonecoldtruth.com. You can see all of Roger's writings there, stonecoldtruth.com. Thanks, Roger.
Thank you, Ed. God bless you. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And our next guest is, I don't know that I've had him on the show before, but I've read his stuff. He's the president of the National Taxpayers Union, Pete Sepp. And I can't remember, Pete, one of your staffers years ago, really good guy, was uh, very helpful in Missouri. I was, I think I was working for the governor of Missouri, and we were doing some things to try to get a, get a grip on what was going on. If you don't know the National Taxpayers Union, you need to check it out because they do great research, especially. Uh, they follow a lot of these issues. It's ntu.org, and I'm looking at some of the op-eds and things that are posted there. It's a really helpful organization. So welcome, uh, president of the organization, Pete Sepp. How are you, sir? Doing well, thank you. And uh, I'm a Webster University alum, so uh, really love the Missouri. Oh, great. That's great. Yeah, Webster's great. And Webster's, Webster University uh, does not get a, enough attention for having been about 25 or 30 years ago ahead of the curve in making it possible, especially, I don't know if you were in the military, but military men and women could get enrolled there and they do some in person, some off campus, different things. And they have incredible alumni network. That's really impressive. I'm glad to know that. Thank you. Um, all right. Hey, we, we, um, we talked, um, with Congressman Pete Sessions uh, about how crazy this $3.5 trillion spending bill is, but, he was mostly talking about the politics of it. You don't have to raise a debt ceiling. You don't have to do all this stuff. Tell us what's in this thing. I mean, what it's 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 um it's a lot of money. But I even Nancy Pelosi the other day, I think she said the old uh, Pelosi shuffle, which is, oh, we don't really know what what it all means. We just got to pass it still. And what is in this? What's the what's the reality of this thing? Yeah, there are a lot of specific provisions, a lot of very vague ones. The specific ones, about $2 trillion worth of tax increases, making the 20% small business deduction that was enacted in 2017 highly limited by income and eligibility restrictions. It means increasing the basic capital gains tax rate from 20 to 25%, 29% if you count the surtaxes. It means hiking the corporate tax rate from 21 to 26.5%. It's instituting a new tax on vaping products. And of course, a lot mm. of people use vaping products to quit smoking. So that seems a terribly misguided proposal. It would also create heavier death tax burdens by peeling back some of the exemptions that were enacted in 2017. There's also a new methane fee on natural gas producers in the House's version of the reconciliation bill that uh, Congressman Sessions was talking about. And the problem there, of course, is that you can call it a fee, but it's really just a tax. And it's not a tax on producers. It's a pass-through that's going to raise the price of natural gas on consumers, and they're already worried about home heating and home energy costs because natural gas as well as gasoline prices are going way up. Those are just some of the specifics, and of course, $2 trillion leaves about $1.5 trillion in deficit spending that would need to occur just to meet the advertised price tag of this bill, and the advertised price tag is really smaller than the actual price tag. That's important to remember, Mm. too. 
Um, is the uh, is the uh, how many things in this would you say? Again, we're talking with Pete Sepp, the president of the National Taxpayers Union. How many uh, aspects of this are really not known to us? In other words, these kinds of grants of authority to do something that we won't really know and can't really even measure. Is there a lot of that in here? Yes. And the single biggest worry for us as a taxpayers organization is that this bill currently takes barely more than a paragraph to explain an $80 billion, 50% budget increase for the Internal Revenue Service. It essentially says, here's the money. This is going to be used for increased tax enforcement with the goal of raising more uncollected tax revenue that currently the IRS is apparently not able to get. Well, in that very brief language, there's a lot of mischief, a lot of concern. How many agents will be hired? Will the IRS claim new powers, for example, to snoop in Americans' bank accounts? That's a big deal right now. Uh, there's talk that uh, Americans with accounts having the churn annually of $600 or more in their accounts would be subject to new scrutiny by the tax agency. They'd be able to look at all of your transactions over the course of a year if you engaged in $600 of inflow and outflow. Well, that's everybody. Anyone who gets mm-hmm. a directly deposited paycheck or has credit card bills paid out of the account or happens to get interest earnings on the bank account, uh, that's easily something that you would see as activity in a bank account of virtually every American. It would be a massive amount of information. And with that information comes the potential for abuse. And I don't just mean deliberate abuse. I mean, bureaucratic abuse with that much information and data in the hands of a tax agency that has some of the oldest computer systems in the entire federal government. The possibility for errors, false tax due notices, people might just pay because they don't want to challenge the IRS that multiplies a thousandfold. Uh, again, we're talking with Pete Sepp, uh, uh, the president of the National Taxpayers Union. If you go to NTU.org, you'll see lots of the research, lots of the uh, writing. Uh, I know, uh, Pete, that your job is to break these things down. And NTU stands there and says, hey, this is what this would do. But you have to. And, and I think when you do that, you're saying and, and this wouldn't necessarily be good. Right. I mean, uh, in other words, your 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 role in this is to shine a light on what's happening or what's being proposed, as opposed to necess- some groups are pure advocacy where they're saying do this or don't vote this way or vote that way. So I being careful about that role, the, the balance you play. Um, what do you think the state of play is? Because when you show all this stuff like you have, again, it's uh, NTU.org. You can see lots of the information and, uh, and Pete's, uh, Pete Sepp has published all over. People are going to go, oh, whoa, I don't want that. And you're seeing, you know, cinema and mansions saying some things about the size and scope of this that sound like they've read your stuff. You have other members of the Senate and House saying, hey, what about all this? What is your sense of the state of play? And are you worried that maybe they won't do the Cadillac of destruction, but they'll do a, a Prius and it'll still be a one and one point two trillion dollars of mess? Well, what, what do you think about where where we're headed? Yeah, there is a concern, and I think it comes from many of the budget gimmicks that we're seeing proposed. Uh, Speaker Pelosi was mentioning, for example, that, well, if we're going to expand some of the child payments that are in the bill that are supposed to help moderate income families, instead of paying 
half a trillion dollars over 10 years for this. Why don't we just make the provision last for five years and hope that it'll be so popular it'll be renewed by a future Congress? And suddenly you cut the proposed price tag of this thing in half. Well, you don't really do that. All you're saying is that you're going to have the provision be temporary with a wink and a nod, and it'll get enacted by another Congress and extended in perpetuity. So that's a big budget gimmick. Another one I've heard just today is that members of Congress are thinking, well, why don't we exclude the cost of tax credits that are refundable? In other words, if you get back more money than your actual tax liability, the difference that's coming directly out of the U.S. Treasury, uh, let's just call that a revenue loss instead of spending, and we'll shrink the price tag of the bill that way. Again, another gimmick. A refundable portion of a tax credit is not the taxpayer's own money coming back to them. It's someone else's money. We're uh, again. We're talking with uh, Pete Sepp and Pete at NTU. NTU.org is the best place. I, I'm looking here now, um, and I want to make sure is there is there a um, a particular place to look there uh, that you say on what's exactly in this bill. I'm trying to make sure I, I put up because I want to put up on social media too. Um, I see one of them is uh, from Andrew Wilford for your team. But what where do you recommend on the NTU page? I would go to NTU.org slash no Biden taxes. That's no uh, President Biden's last name, no Biden taxes. And that will take you to a central landing page about the reconciliation bill and some of the things that people need to be aware of. That's the one. I, I did see that. That's what I was trying to find, and I didn't see it on the front. Good. That's perfect. Uh, very good. Okay. Well, listen, uh, Pete Sepp, I appreciate it, appreciate it very much. NTU.org is the website. Uh, the um, the uh, NTU.org slash uh, no Biden taxes. Yes. Okay, no Biden taxes, and uh, we'll keep uh, we'll keep you on auto dial so we can uh, get an update on this. I appreciate it very much, sir. Oh, thanks so much for having me. Take care. All right, we'll take a break, everybody, and we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here in a Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Joe Biden seems to have timed his pullout from Afghanistan not to minimize deaths and destruction, but to facilitate photo ops for him on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Former President Trump responded by properly calling for Biden's resignation before China and other rogue nations exploit his weakness as the Taliban did. The same European leaders who enjoyed treating Trump with disdain probably now wish he never left the White House. After Biden's big blunder, it didn't take long before Europe was being overrun by Afghan refugees. Do you miss me yet? Trump asked. And with each passing day, we miss him more. In four entire years of Trump's leadership, nothing like this catastrophe occurred. And barely six months into the Biden presidency, the wheels seemed to be already coming off. The coming flood of refugees from Afghanistan may be what liberals really want, just as they've tolerated over a million impoverished migrants crossing our southern border. Globalist Republicans foolishly joined their voices in harmonious chorus with the Democrats, who called for Americans to be compassionate enough to ship tens or even hundreds of thousands of poorly vetted Afghan refugees to our communities. 
These summer soldiers and sunshine patriots are the reason America's pullout from Afghanistan turned into one of the greatest military disasters in world history. To be clear, Afghanistan is not a defeat for America's brave soldiers and Marines who served so courageously in Afghanistan under terrible conditions. In late 2001, merely 3,000 American troops swiftly accomplished what seemed impossible by seizing control of Afghanistan from Al-Qaeda for harboring 9-11 terrorists. But progressives and an effete occupant of the White House have snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. This failure was not on the battlefield, but in the misguided ideology of those who attempted to impose political correctness on a country that is the antithesis of it. America still has the greatest military on the face of the planet, but the story of Afghanistan is a cautionary tale to warn Americans that even the greatest and strongest military force can be brought down by inept politicians and bureaucrats. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. As leader of the free world, America has a responsibility to stay strong in economics, industry, morality, and military capability. Never hesitating to say, America first. At phyllisschlafly.com, you'll see why the best foreign policy begins with a strong America. Join the conversation at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, wrapping things up as you head into the great weekend. Have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, I want to say thank you to Roger Stone for coming on, Pete Sepp for coming on. Uh, thank you to Joanna for booking our guests, and especially Noah Dingley, our great producer, for keeping everything going forward. Let's finish with this. Um, it's a little disheartening, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, because I watch it all the time. On the right, on the conservative side, on the Republican side, anyone who does the right thing there's a good chance he or she will be left standing by himself or herself. It happens all the time. Somebody that runs for office and doesn't win, they don't get a job afterwards. Somebody who uh, stands up for something and expects, you know, that maybe I'll get help later. It turns out a lot of times they don't. You know, there are people that are loyal that come around. And one of the things that the late Phyllis Schlafly used to teach me to do was, and we always do it as much as we can, is stick with the folks who have been targeted and left behind it's actually one of the lessons uh general mike flynn who's such a good friend and such a great guy he was somebody who uh in the midst of his troubles when a lot of people were stepping back we stepped towards him and helped him and, and, and cared to help and it turns out of course we were right it didn't matter it didn't matter if he was vindicated publicly the way he was to me it mattered that we stuck with him well on the left they do this all the time in fact they do the opposite if you're remotely helpful you get rewarded. You get a book deal. You get a job. You get multiple jobs. You could work at the Center for Progress or Center, the new Center for Progress or what it's called. You could also work at, uh, at the Brookings Institute. You get a job with this and that and the other thing. And the best example right now is to watch McCabe, to watch the uh, former attorney general uh, of the United States, uh, Andrew McCabe. And Andrew McCabe was fired by uh, Attorney General Sessions because... At least, allegedly, I don't know if it was ever proven, but there was lots of indications that McCabe was misleading. He was not telling the truth. He was being political. Lots of, lots of examples of that. And so he was fired. And when he was fired, he was, of course, he had been using the FBI, as someone said, weaponizing the FBI against Donald Trump. And so he was lionized by the left. They thought he was great. And I don't know if he's got a book deal or 10 book deals. I'm sure he's taken care of. But here's what, here's what the elections, why elections matter. 
He sued the Department of Justice and said, you wrongfully fired me. And under the Trump administration, they fought back and said, no, no, we fired you for this reason, this reason, this reason. Get out of here. But as soon as Biden won, the Department of Justice that is now McCabe friendly looked for a way to settle that case. And the way they settled it was they rescinded his termination and they just said he retired and they gave him his full pension. So he's probably going to make $200,000 a year for the rest of his life. I don't know how good. I'm not sure the FBI pension is that good, but I bet it's pretty close. More importantly, no one is saying this. By the way, the FBI did that. I think when you're terminated like he was, you lose your uh, clearances. When you just retire, you keep your clearances, which makes you more valuable, right? If you have clearances, top, top secret, super top secret, whatever they are, you can go and get jobs because people want to put you on a board or want to put you, you know things. So but if you lost that, it's not valuable and not, you're not as valuable. So the left doesn't just protect their people. They reward them. If you're, um, uh, if you're uh, Susan Rice, at the end of the Obama administration, you, were embarrassed. you should have been embarrassed. You had violated the, at least the norms, if not the laws, but you weren't held accountable. In fact, you were rewarded. You taught at Stanford. You did this, that, and the other thing. It's a terrible thing to see, and you just kind of wait. You wait and hope for karma, and what goes around comes around. We'll see. All right, we have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, have a great weekend. And go to visit ProAmericaReport.com. I'm Ed Martin. We'll talk to you next week. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.